This is a GRDC podcast. Okay, in the first part of this podcast on the highs and lows of frost management, Matt Gardner from AMP's Agribusiness was encouraging us to be more aware of the varying elevations in our paddocks and to really get a handle on the difference in just how cold it gets at the top and at the bottom of slopes using pretty inexpensive temperature loggers to measure severity and duration of frosts. We've come to a paddock near Prima on the Liverpool Plains in northern New South Wales where Matt has been conducting early sowing trials and looking at the elevation effects of frost. Matt reckons that over time, heat stress at the end of a season will likely cause more yield loss than frost earlier on. So he's arguing that sowing early in frost-prone areas may not be such a bad thing. OK, so off we go to the top of the paddock. It's a fairly short drive of a, just about a K, so we'll see what the difference in plant size is when we get there. should be interesting. OK, Matt, uh, well, where are we now? We're in the same paddock, but we've, we've come up about... Uh, now we're a kilometre and we've we've come up 50 metres in elevation, so remembering same paddock. It doesn't look 50 metres, but it's, uh, it, it's quite deceptive, isn't it? So that's another lesson, I suppose, for growers if uh, they don't actually know what their elevations are. Yeah, and as I said, they've got, with all their GPS in their machinery, they've got really accurate elevation maps for their entire paddock in farms. Okay, now... It's unbelievable, the extra growth. So looking at the growth of the wheat varieties uh, down in the bottom, obviously subjected to more colder weather, a colder climate down there, these are just way ahead of those down there. Yeah, so these these were sown on the exact same day. So the, the top and bottom slope are sown within an hour of each other and the emergence dates are exactly the same as well. And what we've seen in the last four years is is exactly this, like... We're getting more frost events down the bottom of the slope and it's slowing down development. You, you come up to the top of the slope and things happen a lot quicker. So the difference in the growth, is that can you put that down to, to frost events or is it just colder down the bottom of the slope? Yeah, it's, it's just colder. So you've got colder minimums. Maximums stay about the same because maximum temperature is not affected by elevation or drainage or anything like that. So maximum temperature stays the same, but that's... Uh, those cooler minimums, so the progress or, or development of the plant just takes longer for those cooler conditions. As you might expect from four years of trials, there's masses of data. And if you're that way inclined, I'm sure Matt will oblige for the data sets. But for us here now, let's cut to the chase. Now, 2017 is probably one that many growers would like to forget. But from a research point of view, the amount of frost or frost pressure that we had in 2017 was was a really good year for these trials and to collect data on these trials. So last year we had a 40 metre elevation difference uh, between the bottom and the top of the slope. This is consistent with what we've seen over the last couple of years but like the, the average minimum temperature at the bottom of the slope was one and a half degrees versus 4.9 degrees at the top. The average maximum temperatures were, were very similar and this is a really big number 
that we've seen is the frost number. So we're just assuming a frost as being a zero degrees or below. So last year at the bottom of the slope at Prima we had 92 frost events during the growing season versus 34 at the top of the slope. So only a third at the top of the slope. This is probably the other bit, and this is the importance of collecting that temperature data every 15 minutes, is that frost time or time spent below zero at 543 hours below zero at the bottom of the slope versus only 112 at the top. That explains the difference then, doesn't it? So at the end of the day, let's come to the other end of the season now. What are you actually trying to achieve? So you've sown early. What is this all showing? We're really just trying to maximise yield. And as I said, there's been a lot of past data that shows that benefit of early sowing. But typically, growers are trying to make a decision if we... If we're trying to look for our local climate data or something, you know, if you're looking, trying to look here at Prima, you can get some weather data from Prima, but the longest term weather data is actually at Gunnedah, which is quite some distance from here. So trying to make sowing decisions based on those temperature stations that might be some distance from the farm is, I guess, with some risk in itself because it can vary so much. And we've seen how much it can vary within a paddock and how much potentially a farm varies from those local stations. So I think it's about trying to get the local data so you can confidently plant as early as you're you're happy to accept the risk, and it's just a more informed decision. The aim here is to bring your crop into flower at some point, what, after the frost event or just before the frost event, the last frost event? I've heard this a number of times, and, and this is by more experienced research agronomists than myself but they've you know the the rule of thumb is that if you're not getting that maybe five to even up to ten percent frost damage in your crop you've probably sown too late incurring some frost damage means that you've come into head or you're starting to flower around that last you know significant frost event so there will be a little bit of damage there but what it is providing is it means that your grain fill period is happening in the coolest or most favourable condition. You're getting that done prior to the heat event. Well, that brings us back, doesn't it, to what you were saying originally about trying to avoid that heat stress, that being more important in terms of yield than perhaps the frost events. And if we go back to 2015, so in this part of the world, we've got extreme temperature in that first week of October so out of the four years of the trials 2015 offered that greatest risk from heat stress in that first week of October from Liverpool Plains to north of Moree and and out into the west we had four days that were above 35 degrees in that first week of October so if you think about that if you had a variety that flowered and some of these varieties at the top of the slope flowered it in that last week of August without any frost damage and they essentially had five weeks before the heat stress hit. Something that has flowered on the 20th of September, literally had 10 days after it's flowering, so it's right into that early grain fill period, and all of a sudden it's in 35 degree plus temperatures. And that had a huge impact on not only yield, but um, yield, but quality as well. So screenings went through the roof on anything that flowered late right near that heat stress. Okay, let's just recap for a minute on what these trials have been all about, which, by the way, have received GRDC funding. 
they're not really looking at the frost tolerance of different varieties, but seeing what happens with different varieties sown at different elevations and at different times. So top of the slope you've, or in these higher elevation points, you've got, you know, frost risk, the heat risk is still going to kick in at the same time, so you can get away with that earlier one, whereas down in those lower elevations, you're fighting a battle between that the heat risk will kick in at exactly the same time, but the frost finish later, they're generally more severe, so it's a much finer window at the bottom, so you've got a, a wider window, or wider window of opportunity to flower in at the top, compared to the lower elevation, which is much narrower. Any trial, of course, involves lots of growers contributing their time and a bit of their country too. So we're off now to meet Tom Simpson, a young farmer who's been quite involved in Matt's research. I've not been in this part of the world before. We're travelling through the Prima Valley. It's amazing. Even in drought, you can't mistake the land's fertility. Simply stunning to look at. OK, so we're moving a few kilometres down the road to the Simpson family property known as the Plantation, where I'm told there's a bit of a surprise in store. All right, Matt, we've moved, uh, well, a few k down the road. Where are we now? So we're still in the Prima Valley, but we're a little bit closer to, to Prima itself, and we're standing on the property called Plantation. And this plantation has hosted three out of the last four years of, of the elevation trials so it's a big thank you to the Simpson family for for hosting us through all that time and and today Tom uh, is here to to talk about some of those trials over the last couple of years and what he's doing on his on the farm well thanks for your time first thing that impresses me is that you've actually got a crop in the ground when everywhere else is bare earth what's the go there oh we got pretty lucky this year with a few summer storms and had the moisture so got a new time planner so we thought we'd really test it out and send it down. When did you actually sow? 10th of May. And how does that compare to when you normally sow? Oh, about three, four weeks earlier on the flat. But it's coming up okay? Yeah, no, it looks good. Pretty happy with it. So there's still a fair bit coming up. We get a shower of rain, it'd be a lot better. Yeah, I think a lot of people think that. <laughs> so is this a part of the thinking behind Matt's trials to, to sow early? Yeah, definitely all due to match trials. There's just a lot of yield potential that we're going to gain by going in early. Um, you look at overseas and all those long season varieties are always out yielding the short season. So hopefully we um, we don't go too hard so we're not in the frost, but yeah, we should be able to manage it. So do you have records for this particular paddock in terms of uh, temperatures and that sort of thing? Not this particular paddock, but we've got four years of, like, on the bottom down the flat here, so every year's, I think, has been a lot different to the last, so we'll find out when it comes. So just, just getting back to the sowing, you've actually sown quite deep to tap into some of your uh, stored soil moisture. How deep have you gone? Uh, about four inches, so we've got about an inch of mud over it and then three and a half, four inches of, inches of, of loose soil. And that's rare around here, I understand? Yeah, from what I've been told, it's never been done. <laughs> how, how rare is it, Matt? It, it's something we we typically see further north and further west in the region, so up around more, well, Narrabri north and, and west, like it's quite common practice because, you know, not always the breaks there or the moisture's perfect. So 
like chasing that moisture, but uh, around this primary area, typically we've we've definitely had a break by now and not chasing moisture that deep. So what would you be hoping for, Matt, in terms of the, the frost impact on this particular crop? We talked about the timing before the time of sowing and, and how that relates further into the season. What are you hoping for? The crop that has been planted is Lancer, and if you look at the Lancer data over the last, and so remembering three of those years have been on this place, Lancer the last three years at the bottom of the slope for every day we're delaying from late April through to June long weekends, almost 32 kilos per hectare per day loss with that delay in sowing. So as Tom said, he didn't want to risk quite going on Anzac Day because that's almost a five, six-week shift from normal sowing dates. But he picked a spot where comfortable and, yeah, I think reap the reward of that early planting. I want to broaden this out a bit now, Matt, how it applies more widely. We're in, you know, a beautiful part of the world, the, uh, the Liverpool Plains. The principles that you've talked about, do they also apply elsewhere? Yeah, definitely. And uh, one of the things as a side on this project is we've actually got 170 data loggers spread across the region. So there's a fair bulk of those on the Liverpool Plains and on other people's places as well in that Armatry Galagenbone area and then up around Moree. And, and all those locations have got some level of reasonable elevation differences or slope within the farming system. Probably one of the more interesting ones is we've got a number of loggers out around Rowena in that Walgut area. Obviously much smaller differences in elevation, quite often you know, less than 10 metres of elevation difference, but we've still in those environments where water drains, we've picked up huge differences in frost, frost number and risk. I'm struggling to think of frost at Walgut anyway, but you found evidence that could benefit growers out there. Yeah, for example, uh, we had two paddocks at Rowena last year, less than five kilometres apart. One paddock is known to be a drainage area when floods or water runs across the land out there. One is a drainage area, and the other one, it's only four metres high, but I guess the water doesn't lay there. And in those two paddocks last year, the lower one, had 58 frost versus only 23 at the highest side. So we're still seeing huge differences out there. I guess it comes back to where maybe where the water flows and that type of thing out there rather than huge differences in elevation. Well, as Tom Simpson has told us, he's planted fairly early this year through the dry topsoil into moisture. But how would he adopt this early sowing frost avoidance strategy on the plantation during more average years? Yeah, so we go through and we look at our sloping country where a lot of our elevation, you know, it goes from may vary 30 metres and we go, we'd go through and sow all them first and then normally we'd wait and come down here on the flat and, and then get into it here. Okay, so that's a very practical application of that. Yeah, no, that's sort of how we do it. And this year we um, we don't have any moisture on the slope due to rotation, so we came straight down here. So, Matt, as I just said, it's a practical application of, of the principles that you talk about. Let's talk about the more technical side of things in variable rate technology. Does that offer some opportunity here as well? Yeah, potentially. I guess just coming back to the, the practical side of it, like it, it's not rocket science that you know higher or lower like lower elevations have got more frost risk in that but this i guess what this project has done is put some numbers around it and then you can actually give the growers some confidence in in being able to plant that early 
in terms of like we've had a number of field days and discussions throughout the project in a number of different ways that growers might adopt it and obviously where Tom's got the slope that's a, a practical way to do it some other guys have spoke about having two different varieties using variable rate technology and as they're going up the slope they'd switch from a longer one down the bottom to a to a quick one up the top okay so let's wrap this up with my take on Matt Gardner's key messages one Know your elevations on your farm and get them mapped. Your tractor's onboard computer already has that info, so it's a no-brainer. Two, get hold of some temperature loggers and measure what's happening on your farm when it comes to frost and do it for a few years, inexpensive but giving you so much more valuable information. Then think about treating your frost-prone and non-frost-prone areas of the farm differently. Like Tom Simpson, who sows his higher country first with longer seasoned wheats and his frost-prone flat country a bit later to hopefully avoid the historic frost window. Because that's what it's all about, maximising your yield by lowering the frost risk to an acceptable level for you, but also avoiding severe heat stress while at the same time increasing your growing days. My thanks to Matt Gardner from AMPS Agribusiness for giving me so much of his time and also to Tom Simpson for giving me a grower's perspective. My name is Chris Brown. Let's catch up next time.